This will be the third time that I've preached on the Magnificat here in this church. I had to confess, I was a little tempted to dust off one of my former sermons and just play it again, but I refrained. <laughs> in 2015, when I was a baby pastor, just a couple of months after my ordination, getting my feet under me still, I preached on the call to love and not judge. The ways that so often we condemn the Marys in our midst. The ways that I had parted with the hallway seas of my high school, making room for classmates who had found themselves in unfortunate circumstances. Or that's what others called it. I wonder if those voices would have said the same thing about Mary. In 2018, I preached on the revolutionary dreaming of Mary and Elizabeth, the validation that they find in one another and the ways that women are called to lift up and empower one another, to dream impossible dreams, and the ways that through them impossible dreams become possible. And here we are in 2021, what wisdom or insight might this passage hold for us today? Mary, the Theotokos, the God-bearer, still has so much to teach us about what it takes to bear God into the world. And honestly, you have to be strong as a mother. Well, I learned a new word today. Thank you. <laughs> the reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the, hunger, the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts 
be glorified in your sight, for you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. Amen. In 2018, when I last preached on this text, my husband Dan and I had been trying to get pregnant. For years, I had grown up with the fear that at any moment, you would get pregnant and it would ruin everything, change your life forever, or that you would contract some terrible STI that would maim and scar you forever, kind of like that gym teacher from the movie Mean Girls. Like so many of you, I grew up in a school district that used fear-based sexuality education, a reason I'm so grateful our church here provides our whole lives to our youth a healthy, affirming human sexuality program that recognizes it as part of God's design for us. But in 2018, I thought, I thought, now I'm ready. I have a spouse who would truly be a wonderful parent and partner. I have a call here at FCCGE that I love and I feel empowered in and cared for. We have a house where a baby would be welcomed home. We have health care, and at least what I thought of when I was 28, we, we had financial stability, whatever that means. We had done all the right things, gone through all the right steps. And yet the pregnancy that was supposed to have happened at any moment and changed everything didn't happen with any sense of immediacy. It took time. And there was a loss along the way, and then it took more time. And honestly, a little bit of medical intervention before we became pregnant with our daughter, Eliza. This holiday season is a hard one for many women because for so many, there is no miraculous journey to motherhood. No angel comes bringing good news of great joy for some, there is heartache in this season as we celebrate the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. For some women, there's frustration. Motherhood in the biological sense is not their call. And this lifting up of motherhood can feel like a judgment or condemnation. Maybe you're one of these women with these experiences. If she is not you, then you most certainly know her, whether she is a spouse or a sister or a friend. I know that there are not words to comfort when all you want is that stick to have a plus sign on it. And I also know the deep, real strength that is inherent in all that we all, regardless of our procreative choices or abilities, we are all God-bearers, Theotokos. That through all of us, there is the potential that God's love is born again into the world. Because mothering is not about the knitting together of cells in a womb. It is about an act of creation acts of creation that bring life and love into reality in this world.
And in this way, we are all invited to join Mary in her strength and power in the face of the impossible. We are all invited to join Mary in her revolution and in doing so, bear God into our world now. And in doing so, we are all as strong as a mother. But what is strength? I want you to think about the strongest people you know. And as your mind clicks through like those slides that your grandparents used to show of their holiday vacations, I want you to settle on someone who comes to mind. And I want you to close your eyes. And with your eyes closed, I want you to imagine them. Imagine, maybe remember the way that they look, their posture. Were they hunched from years of hard labor or were they regal, chin held high, back straight? Where do you see them? Are they behind a podium or at a dining room table or in a garden? What do they wear? Bowler hats or a gingham apron or high-waisted jeans? Regardless of if this is someone you know personally or a historical figure, imagine what would they smell like? Fresh air, sourdough bread, lemon, or books? What is the sound of their laugh? Is it low, or does it lightly bubble up? You can open your eyes. I'm curious who came to mind for you. Whose picture did you paint? And what is it about that person's strength that had you settle on them. My granny, who's in a bottom photo there on the, the my left-hand side, your right-hand side in the brown photo. My granny, Jean Joyner Bass, was one of the strongest people I know. Not in the sense of any Olympian. The woman was barely five feet tall. She would never have won any awards. But when my grandfather died unexpectedly, leaving her on a farm with a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old, she did what she needed to do. She went back to high school and got her diploma while working as a secretary in town. She sold the farm. In one night, as the boys slept, she wrung the necks of 30 chickens, butchering them, and her hands were red and chapped as she dipped them into scalding hot water to help with the plucking. These chickens would need to be kept in the deep freeze to feed her family for the times ahead. She was truly amazing, and she was so strong. But what is strength? Is it merely bodybuilders and weightlifters? Is it the ability to overcome inner as well as outer obstacles? Is it the withstanding of strong opposing forces like some retaining wall, the limits of our strength being tested? Or like medicine, is it about some inner potency? What made these strong people come to our minds? 
In our scripture for today, these ancient women have something to teach us about strength. Our scripture starts with Mary leaving town, and we're not told in scripture how the conversation with her parents went. We're not told how they responded, if there was shouting and tears, if there were downcast eyes when Mary spoke her truth. But we know that Mary did not shy away. She did not demure. In many ways, she fought for her own life and the life of God that was growing inside of her. I can't help but wonder, though, if she used the tools of her time as women always have. I wonder if she went to her family playing on their piety, hoping they would believe her extraordinary tale of angels. I wonder if she used qualifiers as so many women are taught to do, lessening themselves to make others feel powerful, though I doubt it. Mary's strength and her power and her authority is made clear and uncompromising. Mary defied custom and culture. And I can imagine all the things that were said about Mary. The mutterings and mumblings of the holy women at the synagogue, at the market, her friends in the neighborhood. We know, after all, what is said about women now. And so Mary goes to her cousin Elizabeth with haste, and Elizabeth, a righteous woman herself, could have easily cast judgment. But instead, she affirms Mary. She sees and affirms the truth of who she is and the God growing within, about to be born in the world. And in this space, in this holy feminine space, Mary preaches the gospel that is to come. Mary preaches the gospel before Jesus' birth and tells us what is ahead for the Son of God, the Prince of Peace. She tells us in her Magnificat here the central themes of Jesus' ministry. In Mary's Magnificat, we have a radical reordering of the world, filling the hungry with good things while sending away those who have enough at home, casting down those who use their power wrongly and lifting up those who have been forgotten. This is the message of Christ. This is what Mary bears into the world. Not just the word becoming flesh, but the word itself. We are all theotokos. We are all God-bearers. Not in the same way as Mary, but each of us is called in our own way. And this morning, as we look at the women here on our altar, we see the ways that God is born again and again. In the radical resistance and in those quiet revolutions, in the first of their class, in the way makers, the glass ceiling shatterers, in the earth and law shaking, in the history book making, 
and in the nights when 30 chickens' necks are wrung so a family could be fed. May we be strengthened and sustained by Mary in the ways that she calls us into continual communion with women throughout time. That we are all strong as a mother, theotokos, God-bearers. Amen.